Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. We're going to talk today about the second coming of Christ. Now, I don't want this to be my last message unless it is time for Jesus to come back. And if it is, I can't think of a better message and a better way to go out than to talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And as we look at this passage today, we're going to ask the question, what are the signs? What are the signs? Because everybody I talk to, both believing and unbelieving, the question I'm getting asked more than any other question right now is, Pastor, do you believe that this is the end? And my response, Bob, over and over again is, I sure hope so. I sure hope that Jesus is coming back. I want to invite you today to take your program, your Bible, or your internet device, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 24 today. And while you turn there, I want to give one other shout out. Uh, Brother Chris, would you stand? Just come on, wave at me just a second. Can you give a shout out to Chris this morning, serving on our worship team for the first time? Love everything about him, except he's from North Carolina. So anyway, but he is country, which is what Aaron ain't. So anyway. Aaron ain't country. Man, doesn't know anything about country. He's Southern, but he doesn't know anything about country. And nobody, everybody wants to be country. Every, it's, it's in vogue right now, Pastor Aaron. Matthew chapter 24, verse 1. Jesus left the temple, and he was going away. And when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple, he answered them, you see all these, do you not? And truly I say to you, there'll not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Look at verse 3, because he gives us an idea of what he's talking about. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, and here's what they said. Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. Now, I want you to see those words. I would highly encourage you to underline those because there's a reason why Jesus said them. Why do you think Jesus stopped after three and a half years with his disciples as he gets to ready to talk to them about his second coming? And by the way, he hadn't even come the first time yet, at least been resurrected. And he says to them, don't be led astray. Don't get caught up in false hype. I see so many Christians right now getting caught up in false hype. You've got to dial it back. You've got to remember that your hope lies in Jesus Christ. And regardless of what we're getting ready to talk about today, Jesus wins in the end, and we are on Jesus' team. Amen? So don't be led astray. 
For many will come in my name and will say, I am the Christ. And they'll lead many astray. So what are the signs of the second coming of Jesus? Number one, false messiahs. When you see false messiahs, don't let that discourage you. Because until we see them, there cannot be the second coming, the return of Jesus. And so when you see a false Messiah, sadly, that leads people astray, I want to encourage you to step back and say, that is a reminder to me to be encouraged today. That is a sign to me that Jesus is coming back. A lot of times in this world, when we look at bad things, we just get discouraged. But God's going to show us a bunch of bad stuff that's going to happen so that as it happens, he is screaming with his megaphone, every time you see this stuff, may you be encouraged because it is the signs that I am on the way back. Amen? It's a different perspective. Look at verse 6. And you will hear of wars and rumors of war. Now, we can't relate to this, right? Uh, we can every time we go to the gas pump. Did you know that we just hit a record $5 average gallon of gas? Diesel's more, by the way. For the first time in the history of our country. Wow. See that you're not alarmed. I went to my favorite gas station on Friday night. I have a specific time that I go because I was told by the attendant there wouldn't be anybody there and I wouldn't have to wait in line and spend more gas to get gas, by the way. And I got there and there were signs on every pump that said, no gas. See that you're not alarmed. This has got to take place. But the end is not yet. Sign number two, wars. We see the devastation of this every night. I was watching the news last night. I watched the world news last night, watching the devastation that's happening in the Ukraine with Russia. World War I was supposed to be the war that would end all wars so that we would have no more wars. Wars are a sign. Verse 7, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Sign number three, famines and earthquakes. Isn't it interesting how we've come out of two years of whatever it is you want to call what we've just gone through? And as we come out of it, we just cannot find a new normal, can we, in our society? Like every time there's, a, there's another major $5, you know, if you have a baby and you need to buy formula, you can't find formula. Like, like these are really crazy things that are happening, not in third world countries, but in first world countries. I mean, these are, these are things that are taking place that are showing uh, the fragmentation of our society, the brokenness of our society. I mean, our society is so, so angry, so angry. And in that anger and in that wrath, 
the reality is there are famines, there are earthquakes that come, but these are reminders as well. Look at verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation, put you to death, and you'll be hated by all nations for, not, for my name's sake. So sign number four, persecution for our faith. The hostility toward Jesus is growing exponentially. I saw an article on the Christian Post this past week of a pastor who declared uh, that, that Jesus was, was racist, that he was homophobic, that he was misogynist. I mean, it's, it's very interesting to begin to see. See, in our society, uh, we deconstructed church, then we deconstructed the Bible, and now society is starting to deconstruct Jesus. And this, the most controversial thing you can say is Jesus is the only way to eternal life. That statement is offensive to our society. It's extremely offensive. And you need to understand that somehow, some way, you can't combat anger with rage. You can't fight anger with anger. But you have to stay committed to truth, to truth. And as you speak truth in the marketplace, in people's lives, in relationships with people, you have to understand that there is going to be great, great, great consternation. My wife told me of a story where uh, the governor of Florida has decided that they're not going to teach the curriculum for gender and, and, and all the different sexualities that are being purported. And because of that, uh, the, the federal government is deciding to discontinue free lunches for kids that are poor in the state of Florida. That's the solution. So we will, we will starve them out until they change their view. I want to encourage you that you cannot be uh, angry, hostile, bitter toward the lost world. It's not going to help you. But at the same time, you're also going to have to grow a backbone, have some courage, and stand up for truth. And so in the midst of that, you're going to have to ask God to give you the grace to keep your heart soft and your skin tough. And as we go into this next season uh, of our nation and of our world's existence, I just want to encourage you that it is possible to be loving and uncompromising at the same time. But you will not be able to do that apart from a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And you're going to have to lean into the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to be the person that you've called me to be regardless of what it costs me. But Lord, I need you to help me with my attitude. I need you to help me not to be offensive for, for offensive sake. I need you to give me the grace to accept certain persecutions that I may go through in my life because of my faith. Look at verse 10, and then many will fall away. 
and betray one another and hate one another, many false prophets will arise, lead many astray, because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. See, the moment that persecution rises for faith, the numbers go down. And that's what he's saying here. So sign number five, sinfulness running rampant. Lawlessness will be increased. Excessive sin is a reminder that Jesus is coming back. Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Amen. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So sign number six, the gospel preached to all the world. And we're getting close. We're getting closer. This is something that uh, is uh, going to be a part of the last days of our world is making sure that the gospel gets to everyone in their language, that they can understand it, that they can make their own choice, their own decision as to whether they want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15. So when you see the abomination of desolation, now that phrase is taken from the book of Daniel, repeated in the book of Revelation, and that phrase refers to singly to the Antichrist, to the rise of the Antichrist, the abomination of desolation, that is what he's going to do uh, to the temple, to sacrifice to the Jewish nation. So when you see it, spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Sign number seven is the Antichrist. Now, when I was 19 years old, I went down to Florida and I did an internship at a church. And as a 19-year-old, I served as an intern for a student ministry there uh, of a Southern Baptist church uh, there in Florida. And the first few weeks I was there, the youth pastor took me in the office, closed the door and said, I need to talk to you about something. I'm 19, okay, I'm fresh, first year out of Bible college. And, he, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> like I lean, he's like 40 years old. I like lean in, I'm like, yeah, what, what are you gonna say? He said, hey, I need to tell you that I think I'm the Antichrist. I was looking at his face, John, I was like, he's joking, you know, he's getting ready to punk me, you know. And then I realized the man ain't joking. He thinks he's the Antichrist. And so I said to him, I was like, so I have a question for you. Are you Jewish? He's like, no, why you ask me that? Well, to be the Antichrist, you have to be Jewish. Because for the nation of Israel to believe that this person, and I don't know if you know this or not, Adolf Hitler was Jewish. His mom was a Jew. And he fit the bill for being the Antichrist, ethnically. The Antichrist has to be Jewish in order to mimic who Jesus was, who, by the way, he was Jewish. The Antichrist will not be a Gentile. Now, he may come from a Gentile nation, but he will not be a Gentile. He will be a Jew, just like Jesus. Look at verse 16. 
Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. Let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak, that is his coat. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that your flight may not be in winter or in a Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulations such as not been from the beginning of the world until now, never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. So here's sign number eight, horrors like you can't imagine. Now that phrase, alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, what does that mean? And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because it's very grotesque, but the reality is what the Bible shows in the Old Testament, what the Bible shows in the New Testament is, I hate to say this, people will eat each other at the end of time. Cannibalism. They will get that desperate and you will have to fight people off who want to eat your baby at the end of the world. Now that's brutal. So, have some encouragement today. We're not there yet. Okay? We're not there yet. But that is brutal, brutal, brutal stuff. Verse 23. If anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise, perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I've told you beforehand. Sign number nine. False messiahs will perform great miracles. Be very careful going and getting in the bread line, so to speak, because you think that that person is a provider and therefore they must be from God. See, one of the ways that Hitler convinced the world to kill six and a half million Jews was that he took everything away from them and then had them stand in line and he gave them food to eat. Be careful. Be careful following after false messiahs who perform great miracles. Look at verse 26. So if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. And that's a phrase in the old and in the new that refers to the end of time. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Sign number 10, the heavenlies will be destroyed. There'll be a cosmic war in the heavenlies and the things that we see that represent the heavenlies will be destroyed. Verse 30, then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They'll see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So sign number 11. You'll see him coming on the clouds of heaven. I mean, wouldn't that be cool? I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't that be really cool to go outside and look up and go, Honey, I believe Jesus is coming. I believe he's on the clouds. I believe he is on his way to get us. And you go, wow, that's, that's crazy stuff. That's what the Bible teaches. Verse 31, he'll send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. 
They'll gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Sign number 12, Jesus will send his angels to gather his people. The angel army that Chris Tomlin sings about, God will send them to gather us. It'll be an awesome and powerful moment. Verse 32, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as this branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. One of my most favorite times in Colorado is right now when the trees get their new growth. I'm talking about the, the spruces. They get, you know, they get like that little section on the end and, and they're just beautiful to look at. And it's like the Lord is saying, look at that. Learn from that. I did that. See that. Learn from that tree. Pretty cool. God wants us to see him and view him through everything that we observe. And he says, truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Now, I want to stop there just a second because I want to address that phrase, this generation will not pass away. Some people have said, because Jesus said 2,000 years ago, this generation will not pass away until all this happens. And then that generation passed away and it goes, wait, how can you trust in what Jesus says? The phrase, this generation can and often does in the Bible refer to not a generation, i.e. 20 years, but it refers to a time period, sometimes a big word that my seminary taught me was dispensation. And what Jesus was saying to the disciples, as he often did because he spoke in cloaked language, is that Jesus is saying to the disciples, this time period will not pass away. What time period? Many scholars believe that Jesus is saying this time period, this generation is the first coming to the second coming. And what he's saying is in this dispensation, which has lasted now for 2,000 years, these things are going to happen. And I want you to understand that they all have to take place before I come back. Verse 36, but concerning that day and hour, no one what? No one what? Come on, no one what? If I had a dollar for every time somebody said, Pastor, do you think Jesus is coming back September of this year? Why is September every year? I don't know. I mean, it's a good month. I love it. I mean, Labor Day to Thanksgiving is my favorite time in Colorado, so it'd be great if he'd come back. But why do people run around, Christians, thinking they know the day when Jesus is coming back, when the Bible says they don't know. Why do we do this to people? No one knows. One of the best things you can do is read Matthew 24 when you get fearful or concerned about the end of the world. And when somebody comes to your door, knocks on it, texts you, calls you, crosses the street and says to you, well, the world's coming to end in September. I would highly encourage you to take them to this verse and say, so which is true, the Bible or you? Because I'm going to follow the Bible. 
So could you please explain to me how in this passage, it says in Matthew 24, 36, no one knows, not even the angels, nor who, nor Jesus himself. Now that's curious, isn't it? Only the father knows when this world is going to end. And let me just go ahead and tell you, he has not told you. And let me just go ahead and tell you, he will not tell you. He is not going to tell you something that he's not going to tell Jesus. I mean, we're going to call up Jesus. I got news. I know when you're coming back. And Jesus is like, great, I had no idea. I mean, think about it. Work your way through it. Work your way through it. Don't let people scare you with this stuff. Sign number 13, people will be unaware. They'll be unaware. They'll be unaware, the verse says in verse 39, until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. People will be unaware. If people knew Jesus was coming back in the next 20 minutes, they probably, you know, the bumper sticker, get busy, I think he's coming back. Jesus wants you to live your life and he'll show up on your doorstep when you least expect it. And when he shows up on your doorstep, just know the end is here. Sign 14. People will be taken and others left. Look at verse 40. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken, one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, one left. Therefore, stay awake if you don't know on what day your Lord is coming. I ain't trying to be tricky, but do you want to be taken or left? Come on, give me some feedback. All right. When Jesus comes back, you don't want to be left. You think this world's bad right now. You ain't seen nothing yet. I mean nothing. I mean, even Mad Max couldn't tell you all of what's going to happen, right? Like you need to understand that you want to be taken when Jesus comes back. You don't want to be left. Sign 14, people will be taken, others left. Verse 43, but know this, the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming. He would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, catch these words, he will set him over all his possessions. But if the wicked servant says to himself, my master's delayed, and begins to beat his fellow servants, eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour that he does not know and we'll cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
My wife and I ministered to a family yesterday. And Tasha said to her, oh, you look so beautiful. And she said, all I can see is the scars that my husband's left on my face. We have to be committed to loving people into a real relationship with Jesus Christ. The wicked servant is going to beat his fellow servants. We have to bless them. That is why we're here. That is why we're here. And this will be over one day but eternity will last forever. May God give us the grace to be ready and may he give us the grace to help others be ready for when he comes. Because what these final verses are saying, contrary to some of my Christian friends that don't believe in hell, hell is real. It doesn't get talked about much in church, but it's real. It is a place that is reserved for hell, excuse me, for Satan and his demons. Do you know that is why God created hell? If you read, like I read in my devotions this morning in Ezekiel 28, you can read the depiction of how Satan fell from heaven. And God said, and I find this so interesting, God said, you are wiser than Daniel. That's what he said to Lucifer. Wow, Daniel was the wisest person probably outside of Solomon as far as the prophetic is concerned. And God said to Satan, you're wiser. The devil and his ploy. I say to unbelievers, I've got Christian friends that believe in heaven, but they don't believe in hell. And my Christian friends scratch their head and go, why would Christians believe in heaven and not hell? You can't have one without the other. And I was like, I don't know, maybe you know more about God than Christians do because we want to figure out some way to make it the way we want it to be. Matthew 24 tells you the way it is. And Matthew 24 is the chapter that you can come back to in these end time experiences and in these fears and sorrows and darknesses that you're experiencing. And you come back to this chapter and you say, Lord, speak to me, your servant is listening. Speak to me, speak to me, give me hope in this and remind me that all of these things are signs of a greater promise that Jesus is going to come back. So here's my question. Are you ready? Have you made Jesus' story your story? Have you said to Jesus, I don't want my story. My story ends poorly. I want your story. Your story ends with resurrection. I want that. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.